Wisdom with Scott Allen. Hello, I am your host, Scott Allen, and this is Phrenesis, Practical Wisdom for Leaders. If the topic is leadership, I'm in. I've spent more than 20 years in the field teaching, learning, writing, and questioning. When I'm not working on Phrenesis, I travel, delivering keynotes, working with individuals and teams, and helping people from organizations across industries become better leaders. Want to learn more? Visit me at scottjallen.net. Phrenesis offers a smart, fast-paced discussion about all things leadership. We explore relevant topics and incorporate practical tips to help you make a difference in how you lead and live. Listen Notes lists Phrenesis in the top 3% of podcasts worldwide. Phrenesis is the official podcast of the International Leadership Association, ILA brings together those who teach, study, and develop leadership, advancing leadership knowledge, and practice for a better world. Learn more at ila-net.org. Finally, if you enjoy Phrenesis, please subscribe to stay current on our weekly episodes. Finally, if you enjoy Phrenesis, please subscribe to stay current on our weekly episodes. If you find an episode that resonates, please share it with your colleagues and friends. And if you want more content, subscribe to my newsletter, The Leader's Edge. The link is in the show notes. As always, thanks for listening. And now, here's today's show. Okay, everybody, welcome to the Phronesis podcast. Thank you so much for checking in wherever you are in the world. Today, I am very, very excited for this conversation. I have a returning guest, Gary Lloyd. And he has led organizational change initiatives for nearly 30 years. Over the last decade, he has also helped professionals make personal and career changes in his role as a member of the Warwick Business School's executive coaching panel and as a steering committee member for its mentoring program. He spent most of his career in banking and financial markets. However, through his consulting and coaching work, he also worked with clients in manufacturing, construction, logistics, food processing, IT services. He is the author of Gardeners, Not Mechanics, How to Cultivate Change at Work. If you have not listened to our first conversation, please feel free to pause and check in with that. And there's a couple other things. You know, recently, Gary is now the co-chair of the Warwick Business School's mentoring program. He's a volunteer steward at Shakespeare's Globe Theater in London. So in post-pandemic, he's returning as one of the volunteer coaches for staff at St. Christopher's Hospice in London. Now. Gary, we've never spoken about this, but it's kind of interesting. I have a colleague that I see at the International Leadership Association often, and his mother had passed away at one of the conferences. We were kind of talking about this. Uh, It had recently occurred at the time, and we were talking about hospice. And for a while, we went back and forth about this potential paper of kind of your last, the last leader. Because those individuals who work in hospice, they are guiding families, they are guiding the patient towards this ultimate kind of point in time. And it's just God's work, whatever that means for, I'm not putting any version of God on anyone, but they're earning karma points. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. I was not great for audio, but I was nodding vigorously while you were saying that. The people there are incredible. And the hospice is a really light, airy place. Wow. I think people, when they think of a hospice, they're quite surprised when they arrive. Particularly in London, they think of an old Victorian building mm. where people go to die and everybody's going around with long faces, you know. But the hospice is attempting to put life in the time that people have 
got left. They don't do it because it's the best paid job in the world. They do it because of a sense of purpose. We've got beautiful gardens there. The staff are fantastic. There's a lot to be learned about leading because there's a lot to be learned about listening. Yes. And I think the listening for me is the key skill of leadership. Wow. You know, I was just listening this morning to a book, The Art of the Impossible. I don't know if you've come across this yet. No, I haven't. Stephen Kotler. And it's in the vein of Range by Epstein, which was kind of another interesting book. But it's all about how some of these individuals who are working at the highest levels, some of these extreme athletes, potentially like an Alex Honnold, a climber, or some of these big wave surfers, you know, there's just, there's been this avalanche of records and what we previously thought was impossible now is possible. And so it's a, it's a really, really interesting book. Gary, I'd have no clue why I got on this. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. That's why, like last time that you and I spoke, then uh, I enjoy these conversations and I'm already relaxed, even though I'm speaking to your Potentially to your millions of viewers, you've already put me millions. Yes, millions. You've already put me at ease. It's a great skill. How did I get on the art of impossible? How did I get? Well, on? I don't know. We got there from uh, hospice and leading and listening. Yeah, and yes, there's this really interesting component in that book about listening and the importance of active listening is foundational. And you know, you said something a couple moments ago that is. When I think of you, I think of the word curiosity. I just think my sense of you is that you are curious by nature. And where I'm excited to take this conversation today is really around your curiosity around AI and some of these large language models like ChatGPT. You know, in my universe, it's so interesting to observe, Gary. It's so interesting to observe. It's, it's oh my gosh, ChatGPT is kind of the underbelly and how it's going to ruin education. It's going to ruin writing and it's going to ruin. And, you know, of course, it's a tool. Of course, it's the internet. It's not perfect, just like human beings. <laughs> so you have to understand all of those things. But it's, it's fascinating. I was with an organization the other day. And we were brainstorming. And I said, well, let's see what ChatGPT says. It's an organization that's trying to move from, from 90% grants and 10% funding by gifts. How do we make a shift from to 85% grant funding to, to major gifts being 15%? What are 50 things we could try? One sentence each. And ChatGPT just produced 50 ideas and probably it may have been 20 seconds. I mean, it was just incredible. So this tool has a purpose. This tool has benefits. And as I've followed you on LinkedIn, you've been experimenting in a really, really nice way with this tool. So tell me about how you've experienced some of these innovations and the opportunities that you see, because you're seeing some really cool things. Let me talk about some things that I've created using it first. Sure. Because that might stop the audience from wandering off while I go through the journey. How did I get there? And I start <laughs> yawning and going, oh, come. when is this guy going to get to the point? So well, I, I will tear up by saying that I started off as a skeptic. Okay. Because there was so much talk about AI and people saying AI. And in my head, I'm going, this is just simple automation. You know, we've been doing this for 30 years. And in fact, I've got the latest uh, copy of Harvard Business Review here, and they're talking in there about how people respond 
when they know a decision has been made by AI, when that's positive and when that's negative. And they're talking about loans, bank loans. Hey, we were doing credit scoring on bank loans 30 years ago, and I'm sure all the other banks were. So one of the problems that comes with this, so you get skeptical about it, is that everything that already exists in the world gets badged as AI. Mm. You know, any automation, anything like that. And then there were other things like massive data sets and analyzing massive data sets. Well, big data, we had that, we've done that. Was that AI? I don't know if it was AI. So I'm still sitting there on, on audio. On audio, I'm leaning back. Maybe I can make myself faint. <laughs> I'm leaning back going, no, come on. I don't, you know, what is this? And then there was machine learning. Machine learning now starts to get really, really interesting. Hmm. But way outside our pockets, in terms of resources that, that we've got access to. The universities, big companies like IBM and Google, looking at mammograms, things like that. Really interesting, but not something we could access. November last year, end of November last year, chat GPT drops. And at first I ignored it. And I thought, well, okay, I better, I better go and have a look. And I was, I was helped in this by one of your guests. My journey is based on three of your guests Specifically, uh, Cal Al Dubaib, I hope yes. I pronounced his name vaguely right. Tom Colditz, Theo Dawson, all, all have influenced what I've done. So I went off and I started playing around with chat GPT. Now I'll, I'll come back to what I found because it might be helpful for other people that are also playing around. What I ended up doing was creating an app using what's called a no code platform. Okay. So essentially, it's fancy flowcharts, so you don't you don't write any programming. And I found that you could plug into the API. You know, the API is the plumbing between IT systems. You could plug into OpenAI's ChatGPT or GPT, which is the engine that sits behind ChatGPT, really easily. And it took me a week to knock something up to create a chatbot. And what this chatbot does is, if you will, a coaching flight simulator. Mm. So if you're a coach, like one of the things I think is quite difficult about coaching is asking good questions. Mm. You get to a point and you go, oh, what am I going to say next? How, am I, <laughs> how, how on earth am I going to add some value to this conversation now? I'm sure it doesn't happen to you, Scott. Never. No, no. It, I, I'm never sitting here saying, what should I do now? <laughs> So doesn't happen to you, happens to me and some of the lower grade guys, right, and girls and everything. So I created a coaching simulator. So essentially you go on there and you have a conversation with a coachee. And it's ended up that there are three levels of difficulty because people said initially it was too easy. The coachee was too insightful because mm. this coachee was chat GPT, right? He knows everything. Yes. And, oh, yeah, well, maybe maybe I'm stressed out because of that problem. And maybe that's caused by this thing over here. And that's linked systemically to this other thing here. And then the coach is left going, what do I ask now? So they said, can you make it more difficult? So I had three levels of difficulty in the coaching simulator now. And the top level one, like again, great for all of you. I'm going to fold my arms. Imagine I'm sitting here folding my arms. And the top level one goes, introduces itself. And the coach says, hi, nice to meet you. And it says something like, I don't believe in coaching. I don't know why I'm here. I'm only here because I've been sent. And then it's up to the coach to try and work through that level of difficulty. The one, the junior one, enthusiastic about coaching, much easier to do. So that's the coaching function that's there yeah. at the moment. 
And so I will come back to how I, I did this. The next one is about giving feedback. Okay. So that's a role play about where you have to give feedback. So it's a little bit of teeing up with a case study. And if people are not familiar with this, it's a chat bot. You see them on lots of websites. You sit there, you type, it types back. Be very easy to hook speech into that, by the way. I just haven't bothered to do it so far. But at the moment, it's just text, which has its benefits because you get some thinking time, right, if you're trying to learn. So that's learning how to give feedback. The third one is presentations where it does something different. And in presentations, it acts like a tutor. Now, it's not presentations in the sense of knocking up PowerPoint slides. I think it's one of the things that people are doing with AI, which I think is less impactful, which is they're automating stuff that already exists rather than rethinking how you do it. Yes. So people are not necessarily, some are, but if you go back to when the internet came along, Amazon were rethinking the business model. A lot of people were using it to just automate what they already do. And there are loads of AIs, quotes, AIs out there at the moment that will automate slide production. Can you think of a greater place in hell than something that produces even more and flashier PowerPoint slides? Right? <laughs> this is this is a terrible thing. People say, what's the downside of AI? I say the downside of AI, apart from bioweapons and general risks of humanity, is PowerPoint slides and lots of them. <laughs> the greatest threat. <laughs> so what this does is it takes the – so the person goes on there and says – I want to do a presentation. And the AI will say, well, tell me about the audience. And if the audience is too general, the AI will say, no, come on, let's be a bit more specific because then then we can really focus in. And then what's a key point for me about presentations and this key point about our conversation today, actually, that I'll come back to, which is what's the outcome you want? What do you want people to do? Don't Don't say, I want you to understand how X works. What do you want me to do? What do you want them to do with that understanding? When they walk out the room, when they walk away from the screen, and I hope that today we can give some people some to-dos at the end mm. of this. We have to remember, Scott, though. Yes, we, yes, I'm we, writing we, it down. I've got it written down, so you write it down as well. What do we want people to do at the end? So what do we want people to do? It takes them through that step. And then it says, well, what works really well is story. So let's come up with a narrative for your presentation. Would you like me to suggest some narrative models? Wow. And generally, the user says yes, and it's generally got gives it a choice of about three that I've preloaded it with, which is inevitably the hero's journey, some of Nancy Duarte's stuff, Barbara Minto pyramid principle. Great, great. Yes. So then it says, okay, uh, I hope you to do that. And because it knows lots of stuff, it's not just completely passive. It can make suggestions and it can be asked for for suggestions. And then it says, well, now let's think about the AI says to the user, let's talk about the language because the language you use is quite. Uh, I love it, Gary. I love it. Would you like me to make some suggestions? And so then, of course, you and I were talking pre-show about you were in Greece, right? Yeah. So where did it go with language? Rhetoric. Oh, you know, this is fantastic. So let's bring in some classical rhetoric. It works. You know, go read Robert Cialdini. Rhetoric works. It's yes. absolutely brilliant. So then it gets to that point. And then this is just this little app I built. Do you know how long this took me? This took me two days to build this thing. And I'll explain why later on. And then it says, would you like me to tell you the tricky questions you might get? 
when you do this presentation. Wow. We and you, scenario plans, potential questions. And gives you the answers. <laughs> oh. so, so now here's a to-do for anybody that's listening. We'll come back to this at the end. This is something that I did. I was listening to the last podcast. I'm sorry, I can't remember the, the name. I listened to it today. I'm talking about improv. Yes, yes. Chris Esparza. Yeah, that, that's right. And he was talking about play. Yes. So this for me is play. It's not a commercial venture. This is up on the web if people want to go and play with this. We'll put it in show notes and I'll read out the URL at the end. But if you want to go and try out any of those three things, listeners, I'd be really grateful for the feedback because I can improve it because it's very easy. One of the things that I've learned from doing this, from getting my hands dirty with it rather than pontificating from uh, up in the gallery, is that you can iterate really fast. Yes. You know, you can do things really fast. And dare I say it, the way to do this is like a gardener. You know, you cultivate, you try, you see if it works, you adjust, you plant it there. You know, maybe you have to stake some of it. You know, what I mean by staking is like, you know, for it to climb up, you have to put in some guardrails and stuff like that. So that's what I've built so far. Now, as I've just hinted, I have a book, as you know, Scott, which I talked about last time called Gardeners Not Mechanics. How to Cultivate Change at Work, which I think is ever, ever more relevant now in the age of AI because it's unpredictable. It doesn't do the same thing twice. You, know, you won't go on. That thing of going through the steps, it'll take you through the same steps every time, but it, it won't use the same language. It won't say the same thing every time. It will say slightly different things. So at the moment, I'm working on a course based on the book. So the way the course is probably going to work is that there'll be a video that introduces a topic, and then there'll be the AI will turn up as a tutor. Wow. And we'll have a conversation with the person about what they've watched. If there's a skill involved, there will be some skills practice. This is where Theo Dawson comes in. Yes. Ever since Theo Dawson. Do you remember, you repeated this, Scott. I never forget this. And it said, skill is something you can practice. Boom, right? And, and a micro skill it's something you can practice in the moment. Mm. Wow. Fantastic. And she's got V-Cole, that learning cycle. Do you remember? Oh, yes. So I've been obsessing all the time about how do I build, how do I use AI? Think about dentists being lectured on dentistry and stuff like that. <laughs> but being lectured at doesn't make you a good dentist. That was That's your point. You have to get out there and, and practice. So there'll be some skills practice, and then the AI will lead the user through some quizzes, short discussions, some micro-learning, some reflections, stuff like that. So what I'm trying to do is to do an AI-first training course. Wow. But the more I think about it, the more I think the role that the AI can play is that of a tutor. So you're not in a lecture theater. It's one-to-one. You sit down with somebody close by and say, hey, listen, we're going to talk about change leadership or we're going to talk about uh, leadership. Well. Change leadership, leadership. I mean, what is leadership if it's not change leadership? You know, the world's turning at a thousand miles an hour on the on the equator. Nothing stand, nothing stands still. Even you and I are not sitting still. As we are we're flying here. right now. Yes, we are. We are moving. 50, we are. 56, we are moving. I think it's fifty six thousand kilometers per hour around the sun. So yes, <laughs> there, there was some divergence from my, you know. What I said I was going to do, which was to stick to what I've produced, but I think it's interesting if it whets people's appetite 
about the sorts of things you can do. And here's an offer to, to your listeners. So this is me playing. It's not a commercial venture. Somebody finds this interesting. I've built a framework. You want to come along and use what's already there, that's fine. But if you'd like to collaborate with me and build something for your students or your company, I'm not going to charge you money. The feedback is what I need. Then anybody listening, any of the millions listening to this now, just hit hit me up and see if we can produce something that's interesting. So that's where I've got to. Well, Gary, I absolutely, I love it. I absolutely love it. I think it's it's such an interesting, okay, so this notion of a simulator. I had a wonderful conversation with Jonathan Reams and David Day a few episodes back. So listeners, please have a listen to that because we were kind of pontificating, well, how could AI help develop leadership? How could AI support leader education? And you're creating in some ways on one end, kind of a simulator or a coach or a tutor, which I think is just absolutely wonderful. We're we're potentially creating a course that, again, we're not going to replace the educator, but for certain components, it's a much more active experience for the user than simply watching a video and maybe answering a couple questions. I mean, I can see so many potential opportunities and so many different topics. During the the pandemic, I had started a venture with a friend called Captivation, where we were trying to provide presenters. So think about this, take a presentation on Zoom. Someone's looking at the eye of the camera a certain percentage of the time. Someone's using hand gestures a certain percentage of the time. People are speaking at a certain speed. People are using words that communicate enthusiasm or energy or sadness or disgust. People are engaging in all of these behaviors. And we can track that with artificial intelligence. We can track that with computers and provide people with feedback to say, hey, you said, um, 77 times, and you looked at the eye of the camera 10% of the time. There's some opportunities here. So I see this kind of convergence of even in that space of presentation skills, where now you're adding on this component of, hey, let's help you build and think through how do we design a presentation? And I love the fact that you have the hero's journey, you have the Minto method, you have all of those different kind of approaches or structures baked in. But think about the possibilities here, because we could not only help someone build the structure, we could use that other AI to help design the slides. (laughs) And then we can help people practice. And now all of a sudden you have this really interesting suite of resources or interventions. What I always loved about the captivation system was that I could say to students after looking at their outline and looking at their slide deck, I could say, Go practice it 10 times. And when you hit these benchmarks, when you're only at an average of two space fillers per minute, you're speaking at this pace, you're on time, I'll watch it live. So it became this practice field, Gary, in a very beautiful way so that I'm not watching their first presentation. I'm watching the eighth version, not the first. So not only can we potentially use our time better, but we can potentially accelerate learning and we can... I mean, I just, I love how you're thinking about it. And my mind is in so many different places. Think of negotiation. We can go to so many different topics, difficult conversations, as you said. Delegation. Yes. Just do do a mind map of management skills. I've got one. And you pick out those skills. There are some things that are difficult to do. Uh, Active listening, because pausing is so important. It's very, very difficult to simulate pausing. Mm. 
But things like delegation, you can do a certain amount of listening, but a lot of leadership skills you can practice in that environment. And by the way, the, the functionality already exists within OpenAI's GPT to interpret pictures. It's just mm-hmm. not been released yet. It's been demoed. So going back to your thing about slide presentation, the functionality is already there, though not publicly released, to go through that slide presentation and read it. Wow. And maybe I was coaching an individual in my community the other day, a physician who's writing a presentation, and this individual sent me their initial deck, and I said, okay, first task, cut the number of words in half, (laughs) right? Yeah. We could automate that potentially and build the structure and the incredible structure from the beginning. I just, I love it. I love how you're thinking about this. And I love that you have, well, a couple of things, spent the time to explore and learn and build and tinker. And then I also love that offer to listeners that I see an opportunity. There is an MBA, and this is this is an interesting development in the, in the education space, Gary. There's an MBA, and it's an organization called Quantic.edu. Okay. $9,600 MBA, mobile first. Oh, okay. They create the class. The class is the class. And it's a mobile first. I think their average students' ages are 35 to 44. So these are individuals who have, you know, kids. Many of them are STEM background. So they didn't have a business background, but now they want an MBA because they want to move into an administrative or a leadership role in their organization. But they don't necessarily want to go somewhere two nights a week for two years. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Perfect Mm -hmm. sense. So I see, at least as you're speaking, you know, how could a tool like you're building and developing be incorporated into an experience like that? It would make it so much more active in certain ways, so much more beneficial than just passively consuming videos and podcasts. And it makes it much more active. So I see, I see the potential. I really do. And tutoring, we know that tutoring works. The top two universities in the UK are Oxford and Cambridge. And one of the reasons that they're so successful with their students is they have a tutorial system. A lot of their teaching is in very small groups, effectively one-to-one. And one of the reasons I wanted to get my hands dirty doing this, and I just, all I did was I went onto YouTube, right? So this is, I went to the University of YouTube and said, (laughs) what happened was actually I was, I was on chat GPT and I said to chat GPT, is there an API? And it said, yeah, here's, here's how you do it. And that directed me towards YouTube, and I went on YouTube, and I said, how can you create something without writing much code? Do you know, to write the coaching one, to write the first iteration of the coaching one, I should say, took me a week in between walking the dogs, meditating, going to the gym, playing chess very, very badly. It took me about a week, and 70% of that time was learning the platform. Wow. The rest of the time is messing around with the instructions you give to the AI. Now, here's a really key thing that I found out from doing this. I found out two key things. First key thing was that ChatGPT is just a wrapper around GPT. Yes. So GPT is the engine. ChatGPT is just a nice interface on it. So I've plugged into the engine. And what I found when you plug into the, the engine is that it has three roles. You communicate it with three roles. You send it messages, which are the system. It sends messages back, which it calls the assistant, and then there's the user. Now, the way it works is what the system expects you to do is to tell it what its role is. Hmm. 
role play is not something that's shoehorned into it. Wow. You know how sometimes you get a gadget and you trick it into doing something else? I don't know. You know but, you know, you use a, a screwdriver as a chisel. Not that I've ever done that, obviously. But it, you don't have to trick it. It's baked in. Role play is baked in. If one reads stuff from people that are doing stuff around prompt engineering, it's a lot of nonsense talked around this. But if you talk about things that are around prompt engineering, then one of the first things you do is you tell it what its role is. And people can experiment with this in chat GPT now. So here's the second really important thing for the listeners. $20. What is $20 to you, listener? It might be a lot. I apologize if you, it's a lot to you, but to a lot of the listeners, I don't think it's going to be that much. $20. The difference between GPT 3.5 and 4 is the difference between a bicycle and a motorcycle. Wow. GPT 4 is so much better. So if people are sitting there using the free version of ChatGPT, if you want to use GPT-4, you have to sign up for GPT+. It's $20 a month. Just take it for $1 and play with it. Now, when when I did the thing with the presentations about the steps, so telling it to go through steps, it was like an early-stage teenager on GPT-3.5. It would only remember the last thing. So go go to the shops and it'd only come back with like the Coke, you know, or something like that. Now, GPT-4, if you ask it to follow a series of steps, it will do it. And I was absolutely amazed when I said to it, in the third step, ask the user whether they want some advice. And it did it. GPT-4 is known for, which emerges as chat GPT+, is known for being more creative with its answers. And that's true. But where it really excels in my experiments has been when you ask it to do a series of steps. And one of the things that has been found with it is people call it chain of thought. And you get a much better result out of chat GPT if you tell it the steps you want it to do. Because here's a funny thing, Scott. Why I said just then, I didn't know what I was going to say until I'd said it. Well, ChatGPT is just the same, and people criticize it for it. They say <laughs> it has no concept of what it's going to say. Well, guess what? <laughs> Nor do we. So you get dividends when you ask it to do something and then reflect on it and then do the next step. You get a much better result. Well, it's interesting because, yes, as I've spoken with some individuals about this topic, they cite the attorney who used it poorly and made a mistake and, you know, got in trouble for using ChatGPT or the citations that were totally wrong or the fact that it hallucinates. Well, humans hallucinate. (laughs) Humans get things wrong and humans uh, make dumb mistakes like trusting the Internet implicitly (laughs) with their answers. This is right. And I did go off into the rabbit hole to find out how it all worked. But I think my advice to people using it is treat it like a person. Don't worry about how it works. Treat it like a person and you will be amazed by the results. That's not to say there aren't risks. I mean, there's a risk to democracy. There's a risk of people of terrorism. But what we wanted to do here today, I think, Scott, was not to talk about risks to other people more informed than I can talk about those. I'm here to talk about the excitement of improving people's learning experiences, particularly around leadership. And of course, it's very democratic because, as you said, with like the mobile MBA thing, you can access it from anywhere in the world as a computer. And it's just a 
fantastic opportunity to put into practice learning through practice and learning through play. Yes. And another thing we forget as humans is that every tool that we have ever invented, I would argue, has been used as a weapon, whether that's the stick or that's fire or the wheel. The wheel has been used as a weapon at some point. The like button, right? The like button, you know? So I think, yes, that's a grave concern. That's something we have to have our eyes on, the ethics of all of this. That is a very, very, yes, important part of the conversation. Get it. And how can we leverage this tool for good? How can we leverage this tool to serve as a co-pilot? How can we leverage this tool to serve as a tutor? How can we leverage this tool? What are the possibilities? And I think there's so many possibilities. And I just love the fact that you've been experimenting with it. I would encourage users. Gary, would you go ahead and provide users with the address that they can go to? And I will put this in the show notes as well for listeners. Yeah. So this is all one word and it's leadershipskillslab.ai. Leadershipskillslab.ai. Everyone go check it out. Gary has offered to explore with you. By all means, please take him up on that and explore. It's something that I definitely want to prioritize because I think there's a lot of opportunity here. And again, I think that exploration is critical. And as we think about how to do leader development better, I imagine we could get into some really cool places where we evaluate the results of how people have interacted with the system. We could get into learning objectives, learning outcomes. Everyone think about some of how we could automate and start to literally show and display competency. We could show and display that someone is working at a certain level that we want them to be able to do, at least in the simulator. Again, that's not the real world and we're not in the actual airplane, but in this simulated space, I see so many opportunities. If you're going to come and use it, don't come and use it and then go, ha, that wasn't so good or that wasn't so clever. Give me the feedback and say, it didn't work for me because of this. It takes me seconds to go in and change the instructions. You know, it gets improved through feedback. Sorry, I just wanted to add that in. Please. I think that's wonderful. You know, I have GPT-4. I've used it for different things, though. You know, I mean, it's fascinating. I can say to it, these are the foods I like. Give me a seven-day meal plan with (laughs) 2,250 calories and a shopping list, right? And I want to have a glass of wine two times this week. I mean, literally. Oh, I like olives as well. Boom. (laughs) You know, oh, could you... Could you shift this so we add in some Italian and some Indian food? Boom. What's so interesting is I sometimes feel bad because I ask it to run again. It's like, yes, of course. And I'm kind of nice to it. I say, thank you so much. (laughs) This is a wonderful list. We're really hackable. You know, human beings, we're really hackable. And if you don't believe this, then think about last time you watched a film and, you know, you were rooting for somebody or you were crying. You know, they're actors. You know, it's Tom Cruise up there. You know, it's Tom Cruise. He's a very rich man. You know, he's fantastically good looking. And you're urging him on because those mirror neurons. You know, I say to chat to your point there, Scott, first time I sat down with chat GPT and said, I want to build an, an app to allow people to practice coaching. And it said, that's a brilliant idea. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, oh, good. Oh. Yeah, David Eagleman says, uh, our brains run simulations. That's what we're doing. I've seen conversations with ChatGPT or with what I've built. 
it gets quite intimate sometimes. Mm. Okay, as we wind down our conversation today, what's caught your attention recently? What have you been consuming other than kind of this world of ChatGPT? What's been on your radar? And it could be something you've been listening to, watching, reading, just what's caught your eye? Well, David Eagleman's podcast, The Inner Inner Cosmos, or Cosmos, as David calls it, is fantastic. Okay. Uh, I think he's up to about 20 episodes now. If you've read David's books and you've read a decent amount of psychology, you're just going to get reminded a lot of stuff, but it's a lot of stuff that he's tested in his lab. And that is just a fantastic podcast. I'm reading at the moment a book. It's called The Dawn of Everything. Uh, a New History of Humanity by the late David uh, Graeber, who was an anthropologist, and David Wengro, who's an archaeologist. And that's a great book. It's much easier to read than it sounds, even though the writing is small and it's 600 pages. Well, what is it called like the dawn of everything? So that's a lot of stuff, right? <laughs> it's called the dawn of everything, yeah. It'll take <laughs> us a long time to go into what the book's about. I was in Italy, fortunate to be in Italy a lot recently. And while I was there, I, I read George Saunders' book, uh, Lincoln in Bardo, and a very unusual book, but absolutely brilliant. And one more, if I may, Scott, and that's a book, it's called Real-Time Leadership by David Noble and Carol Kaufman. I think Carol is at Harvard Medical School. Okay. I have not I, any of these resources, so that's great. I think with no disrespect to David Noble and Carol Kaufman, I think the first third of the book are absolutely fantastic. The second two thirds, I thought, oh, okay, I'm not sure there's anything here. The first third of the book I really liked because it was kind of touching on, you know, the Victor Frankl thing about yes. creative space between, you know, something happening and reactions. They were talking about that space. And two of the questions they suggested that, that leaders ask themselves in that space is, who do I want to be? That was one question. I think it's a great question to ask yourself. Is So they're talking about leadership in a time of high stress. Yes. And you say, who do I want to be in this moment? Because we often think about what do we want to do? What outcome do we want? Who do I want to be? And then if you're in a leadership position, what do others need from me? Wow. I think that's a really good question. That was worth the price of the book for me. Wow. Isn't it so beautiful when people... You know, there's been some phrases that people have used on the podcast over the three years now that just it encapsulates something. Doug Lindsay had told me the Bob Hogan quote, who you are is how you lead. Or mm -hmm. Jonathan Reams oftentimes will say, leaders create the weather. But this is another example of these two questions. Would you say them one more time? Actually, they say there's three questions. Okay. I, I didn't do the first one because they say, what do you want to do? Actually, I prefer what outcome do you want? Okay. But what do you want to do? The second one was, I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember, but it shows the power of the of the words, which is, who do you want to be in this moment? Because, well, you, you understand, you know, we're not always who we want to, to be. And the third one is, what do others need from me at this point? That's wonderful. The hospice has been having a campaign recently. There's something, it's a nationwide thing. This is another great one of those that's used in medical practice now or is used in the hospice. They're advised to ask patients, what matters most to you? Wow. Now, that's a great question for any context. It is. What matters most to you? Well, you just sparked this last little segment. It has sparked kind of a thought of mine. I, I used ChatGPT recently 
I was brainstorming and now I'm giving the idea away to the millions of listeners. <laughs> and, and I think this is part of the beauty of this tool, right? I mean, I think it's how do we creatively use the tool in ways that bring something new? I think of it, you know, it's no different than the convergence of technology of an app and all of a sudden you have a new business platform, a platform business model where we have Airbnb or Uber. Because now we can have an app that has the power to all of a sudden facilitate and these technologies converge in a way and now new opportunities exist. But I'd said to it, I want to have incredible conversations with my family. It's Thanksgiving time. What are 25 conversation starters? And it came up with some really cool options. And so, you know, Again, you could turn this into a little cottage industry where you say, hey, I have it's Christmas time and grandparents are with you. What are the questions you should ask your grandparents at dinner? And just spark a beautiful, wonderful conversation. But I think how we use the technology and the creative ways we think about pinging the technology, because it really did come up with some wonderful questions and very quickly, right? In 20 seconds, it would have taken me hours. <laughs> Gary. I am so thankful for our time today. Rumor has it, I may see you next summer. So I'm looking forward to that. And you know what? As always, thank you so much for joining me. I really, really appreciate your time. Listeners, there's an offer on the table. Take them up on it. Be well, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, Scott. Bye now. I always love checking in with Gary. And perhaps my favorite thing about that whole conversation is his willingness to just jump in and explore. And... And he said it, you know, within a few days, I had some things. I've kind of been tinkering with some stuff and I found some useful ways that we can maybe really use this resource as a way to help develop leaders. He got in and he tinkered. And for me, that's the practical wisdom here. Take that curiosity, jump in and explore a little bit. And you may be surprised by what you find out. He's serious. He would love for you to reach out to him if you have questions and check out those links in the show notes. They're there so that you can do so. Take care, everyone. Be well. Thank you, as always, for checking in. Keep exploring, Gary. Bye-bye. You have just finished another episode of Practical Wisdom for Leaders with Scott Allen. To contact me, visit scottjallen.net or send me a note at scott at scottjallen.net. I'm also on LinkedIn, so let's connect. If you have feedback, I'd love to hear it. And as always, thank you so much for listening. And now here's my daughter, Emily, with the outro. You've been listening to Phronesis, Practical Wisdom with Scott Allen.